Konisti, how are ye? Welcome to the Candle Tales podcast. My name is Surika and I'm sitting down with my brother. And my name is Aaron and we are sitting in the Shafis. We are the co-founders of Candlelit Tales. We tell stories and we chat about them afterwards on this podcast, Irish mythology with music. That's the crack. We do a live as well. And we have a Patreon page. Nice one if you support us. And if you want to support us, do it. Go to patreon.com forward slash Candlelit Tales. Yeah. And there's like stuff there for Patreon supporters now. There is. We, we were promising it for a while and not doing anything. But now there's actual stuff. And we're going to read out a couple of comments that people did. Uh, it only took us like six months to get around to it. Got to answer those at the end of this podcast. So Yeah. Uh, Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, Aaron. Tunified. Stop, stop rambling. Tell me a story. I really like Because, you know, it's it's the month of uh, love and there's loads of love stories. So I'm going to typically tell you a, a love story. Yeah. But it's an Irish love story. So, you know, fucking just strap in. Yep. <laughs> The godlike Boan. This is her story. She was married to the High King of All Ireland, Nuda of the Silver Arm. In a battle gone by, on the plains of Mertevna, his arm had been cut from his shoulder, and the brilliant physician Dean Kecht plucked a strand of silver wove it in magic and secured it to his shoulder so that bone and sinew and skin could wrap around in silver and sink into his joint giving him silver arm and hand once he was restored he could then be king once more for no man that had any ailments could ever be king because for the Celts the king represented the land the land could only be healthy if the leader himself or herself was fully healthy but some people say the silver seeped inside him he became colder, sterner, less joyous than he had once been before, and his stern ruling worked. But his love for his wife faded, became silent still. She was cold to his touch, not that it ever came all that much. His cold hand made her shudder, and so she stopped being seen by him. His look went through her only to the facts and matter that were at play in any one given day. Though she tried her might to restore some spark, there was nothing to ignite so she felt invisible around him in being placed so out of view and not being seen she made for herself a cloak to make sure no one 
could ever see her again. Her cloak once wrapped fully around her, shielded her from view from any man, woman or child. She was utterly invisible when behind that cloak. She spent her days drifting around the hill of Tara, walking and wandering aimlessly at times, not feeling inspired by the poetry of the land, but instead a sadness bubbling up from the ground, flowing through the soles of her feet and filling her fully. Until one day, she heard a music drifting over the land seemed to wake up something inside of her and she drifted towards it letting her foot fall lead her the way she came to a small stream and in the gleaming sunlight leaves could be seen in their budding form just waking up after the long winter to give new life to the trees and in the shade of one of those magnificent oak trees there was a man playing on his harp a man with such a radiant happy full smile she was warmed from the inside out he played and he sang and she fell in fascination with him and walked a little bit closer to hear the beautiful music waft all around the valley and herself within it. As she stayed mesmerized watching this brilliant display of music and motion, he looked up. She caught his eye and something inside his mind recognized point of view and he smiled. He saw right through her cloak and smiled. He gestured to her, waving, now beckoning her forward, now being seen for the very first time. Boan left the cloak fall from her shoulder, revealing herself. She walked, she walked through the shallow waters and the Dagda placed down his big heavy harp. Holding open his arms, she fell into his loving embrace. There in the beautiful sunlight next to the river, underneath the trees, they made love. After some time, Boan, she began to rise. She whispered that she could not stay in the Dagda's loving embrace longer than this day's sunlight could last because her husband was, after all, the king of Ireland, the high king no less. She did not want to bring shame upon him and his name. The Dagda merely smiled said if it's just one day we'll have let it be a good day and he smiled and winked at the sun and well they 
rolled over once more to enjoy the sunshine. And as Boan looked up, expecting to see the sun dipping in the sky, she was surprised to see the sun still staying steadfast in the centre of the sky, filling the land with its warmth. She did not question, but she knew the Dagda had placed the magic on the sun, and now the sun stayed there and would not move. And so their day lasted, as they left the hills of Tara and went out walking, and they walked all over Ireland, over the hills, through forests and many trees. They slept up in trees and below inside in bushes and near the foxgloves where they were growing, by the shores, the cliffs, the plains, all over Ireland. They loved, and they let their love grow as Boan felt her belly grow too. She was pregnant with a child, and their day lasted a year and a day. So full and brilliant was their love that she gave birth to a child out of that love. The child was so radiant and so abundant and so full of the love they had made together. They named him Angus Og, And they knew this child would bring love and happiness to whoever he met. The year and the day had come to an end as the sun finally began to move across the sky and dip towards twilight. Now the Dagda took their child. He bowed and kissed Boan for the love they had been able to share together. He took their child and he walked find a foster home for this child. Angus grew up to be known as the god of love. His job was to bring the beloved dead from Brunabonia through the veil of this world into the next. And Boan, well, her story did not end there. The prospect of going and seeing Nuada of the silver arm made her senses stop. She took stock. She did not know what to do. But as she had followed her feet, she left her footfall lead her the way she would go, and now she came across the well of wisdom. Her husband, Nuada, was the guardian of the well, and no one was allowed to stare into the well of wisdom, for it contained the wisdom of this world and the next within its waters, and no one of the godlike folk could have that power inside their mind, and so it was forbidden to look into the waters of this well. But Boan, she followed her feet and her feet brought her to the edge of the well. Perhaps she knew what was going to happen. Many of the godlike people had the ability of foresight to see what would happen next. Perhaps she did not know 
but was filled with curiosity that she could not overcome. Perhaps she had become numb from the love of one so brilliant and beautiful to now not have that in her life. Perhaps she was numb to feeling any worry of what might happen if she looked into the well of wisdom. Either way, she approached the well. She peered inside and suddenly a spark lit up inside of her and she knew everything there was to know. The bliss of knowing this sent the water rising up angrily now to chase Boan, who in a flurried fluster ran down the hill away from the water that spilled all around, galloping after her as if to drown her. But Boan followed her feet and fleet of foot she ran, and she ran maybe knowing the love of her life and her child would be living inside of Bruna Boynia. She might not be there to care for this child, but she would wrap it around in a protective embrace of water from this day forward, and she ran around Bruna Boynia. The water it ran all the way around, followed her and flowed a great river of water around to follow her as she ran for the shore and there she dove into the sea letting herself be filled with water as it ran and keeps running to this day. Now some say Boan died that day and some say she's across the waves always looking at Brunaboynia and still some say she is that ever-flowing river that took her name fleet of foot poetic and beautiful the river Boyne okay well there is, you go. is it bad that my first reaction is your mouth's a river? I mean, n- no. <laughs> it's not bad. I don't think it's like a good no. thing. is good or bad, just fruitful and unfruitful, you know. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I know, but sometimes the absurdist sense of humor kicks in when I'm like meant to be serious and doing a full show chat. And I'm just like, yeah. I know. I know. A river. <laughs> a river. I mean, yeah, uh, it's well, it's kind of one of those things that you're going to have to go a little bit absurd and find the humor in it because essentially it's a fucking not a very happy story, is it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it is and it isn't. I think there's a lot to be said for one perfect day of love. Hmm. Like that's what's that play? Lovers, winners, lovers, losers. Who wrote that play? It's an Irish playwright. I feel like you should know this. I did it in school. Yeah. Um, just, just I say that because usually you know what the play is. Um, but it's, it's usually should consider I am an actor, so I. Uh, <clears throat> it's it's plays on that idea of like you know the perfect love is the love that actually is brief and intense, and then everybody dies. Yeah. Um, you know the Romeo and Juliet kind of trope of like oh. you have a perfect, brief, intense love, whereas if you try and spread love out over a lifetime, it just kind of 
that level of intensity sure that like longing and lust filled manic crazy love because like you know what, can you define what love is seeing as it's the month of St. Valentine give us, give us circus hot take on what I, what love is there now how do you define love sir what, what is it what does, what's love sir come on tell us what love is what uh, I love that you're asking me this <laughs> I think it depends on how you define it right because I think one of the things that is interesting in the way that we talk about love and romance and the way that we kind of culturally construct that is that the sort of mad passionate love you're talking about if you put people into a fucking brain scanner when they're in the first throes of love they're actually insane there you go it's a form of madness and that's why people do like crazy shit that's really out of character for them like during breakups Mm. you know you'll hear about people being like well I drove by his house 17 times and I don't know why and it's like it's because you're in withdrawal from a drug right that is like kind of oxytocin (laughs) cocktail of like dopamine and like massive floods of emotion because you know our species has to be somehow tricked into getting together long enough to reproduce and yeah. that is that is the way that we've evolved to do that. Ah, you're going down the biological route. Hello, I am a little bit, yeah. yeah. I, I, you, you know, down a harsh synth kind of a. I'm usually skeptic a, person. <laughs> of love I'm usually a little bit, a little bit uh, skeptical of the whole evolutionary biology. You know, reason for explaining but our culture. About love, though, but no? no, I think it's I think it's an interesting thing because I think in in our modern culture we say that love is a good thing and that one should try and extend that period of madness out over a lifetime. Mm. Whereas when you look at Irish myth, I think that is treated very much as like its own thing and like a brief moment of insanity. Whereas marriage and partnership is treated as like a separate thing. Right. That's a different thing that you also do but for different reasons. It's more practical, it's intelligent, it has to be done, it's kind of the like the way we go yeah. down the road of, of being able to afford, you know, mutual living situations. <laughs> and clans, because like ancient Ireland was a clan-based culture. Mm-hmm. So who you were related to and who you were married to and who you were fostered by are all really, really important considerations as to who you are. And, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the same as modern kind of western culture where it was a a nuclear family you weren't expected to pair off and raise a kid children were part of the clan and fostering was this hugely important thing that people did where you didn't raise your own kids makes a lot of sense in fairness it it made a lot of sense it was a very and like in a lot of the world the like it's actually a pretty recent evolution of the concept of marriage to even tie it to love Mm -hmm. it's a for most of human history and culture love and marriage were not the same yeah and that's why like myths about true love frame it as being a rare precious thing because if you happen to be in love with the person that you're married to fucking happy days yeah well winner winner winner, but like winner. winner but also lottery winner right yeah 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 because there's a survival element to it and I guess for me Looking at the idea of love, like there's a there's the I think the fucking the Cosmo version of love is you know, oh, 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 and, you know the paternal form of love. It's the unconditional. You know you are loved by somebody else, and you know unconditionally that you will love someone else and be there for them and and care for them and get enough enjoyment out of caring for them as they will 
like. Do you um, mean like parental love? I mean, it's 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 like the 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 broader spectrum of unconditional love. That's what I mean. All right, I got As confused in, in, by yeah. the word paternal. I mean, yeah, which, which is like fatherhood love. Yeah, sure, but I, that's kind of yeah. I mean, there's romantic love, and then there's just looking at the word love, which is the there's a broader there's a like there's a number of different definitions exactly, of love because yeah. there's romantic love. There's, which is eros, there's uh, familial love. I can't remember what all the Greek words for all of these were. <laughs> I thought you were going to go and run there. I like, know. Oh, it's like, it's shit. Be, oh. I know what yeah. eros is and I know what thanatos is, but I, I, I've forgotten what the other ones are. But like this idea of like, there's, there's, there's romantic love. Yeah. And then there's familial love. Mm-hmm. And then there's like friendship love. Yeah. And there's different kinds of love. And definitely in our culture, we put romantic love as being the best one. Whereas if you're somebody like me who doesn't really experience or get interested in romantic love, friendship love is is way more important. Interesting, yeah. yeah. And like familial love is way more important. Because like, hey, Shit, hey buddy. Soft. Shut um, up, I'm making a point. You <laughs> <laughs> too, Sarah. Oh, it's great. Telling stories together, actually. I one, know. It's so sweet. Warms, warms your little heart. Wait, she's going to come back with something horrible. <laughs> and I'm just going to, I've, I've grown up with this woman. No, I'm just saying, like, it's, it's, there's different, there's different types of love. And I think different cultures have ranked them differently. Yes. Because certainly our culture at this moment puts a very high emphasis on romantic love. And I think if you look at, Irish mythology, one of the things we're always kind of making jokes about is how almost all of the romantic love stories end horribly. Pretty awfully. Like, and it's something that I kind of want to ask you about is like, is that in our fucking DNA as a culture here? Like, is it is something to do with the landscape here? Is, is the reason we have tragic love stories? Is it just because it's a fucking, it's like the West Atlantic wind blowing into the fucking hearts of the like, people that are just like, yeah, it's sad. There's famines and deaths everywhere. sad and it's beautiful. Yeah. like, And yeah. if it wasn't sad, it wouldn't be beautiful. Because there's that, there's that aspect of love when... Uh, Siren. Uh, fuck it, I'm just crying about a as well. I was on a roll. There's that aspect of love that it's like, it's beautiful and it's, it's engaging and there's lust and there's longing and there's need, but also... There's a sadness that goes along with it because you know it's coming to an end. You know this kind of intense feeling kind of has to come to an end and you're like almost sad for the fact that you're experiencing such a high. And that's certainly emphasising this story of like you get one fucking day. Yeah, you get one, yeah. You know, one perfect day. Yeah. And if you're, if you're with the Dagda, he can make it last a year in a day. <laughs> you can extend it a bit, but it is a finite amount of time. But mm. also to go to your like cosmic love thing, Later in that same sequence of a story, when Angus goes and gets Boan's house mm-hmm. at Brunabonia, the ruling that the Dagda makes is that because he occupied the house for a year and a day, he occupies it for all eternity. Mm. Because eternity happens in a year and a day. So you have a nice little reverse encapsulation of like, it's brief, but it's also eternal. And I think that's a, that's a nice way of looking at it as well, is that like, these fleeting moments that we have also connect us to something that's eternal. Mm. And I think that's why romantic love can be seen as so transcendent because that sort of bliss can feed you back into a, a, a more expanded consciousness. And it's, it's kind of funny to draw parallels with, I guess, a lot of the mythology of India is very, you know, our Buddhist kind of metaphors and philosophies are, are very on the nose power of now kind of like kind of like you, you focus on now and you 
nothing matters therefore everything matters and that's the kind of vibe that's, you can that's kind of the take same that. kind of reversal yeah. here yeah I think you can see your way into that especially because the fact that that's like the same fucking story like I know I know we didn't go into it in this one I think I think we might have gone into that story in the Madeira and Atain one I can't remember if we did it in detail but it's it's part of the same like sequence you could you know you can put them together yeah and I think yeah, that's yeah, a really yeah. interesting one because then you go from specific to universal you go from ti- from from micro to macro which is really cool just to, to to level the playing fields now if you don't know what the fuck the Hegarty's are, are on but they're not uh, the the child Angus Og was fostered over to Midir and Adain and they were the foster parents of the god of love that he became known as and there's a whole love story between uh, Midir and Adain and that's on other podcast but also I think it's really interesting to look at Angus Og as the god of love because when we were up in Brood and Boyne ourselves a couple of years ago uh, I stumbled across this thing which says Angus Og was the god of love because he brought the beloved dead to Brood and Boyne. Yeah, He's not Cupid going around shooting arrows at people. Mm-hmm. He's not making people fall in love with each other but he, he's actually a psychopomp. He's, he's a death god. Yeah, and, uh, like, <laughs> and like, interestingly. Again, yeah. that's, a, that's a different interpretation of love. That's not a god of romantic love. And we had an awful lot of fun uh, playing around with an actor, Emma Byrne and Angel Hannigan, who were kind of playing like the Morrigan and Angus Og, and we were devising this theatre show that we have yet to nail down. But we're, we're getting there. But what the discussions came out was, was you know, the, the black and the white and the not one or the other and the in-between, uh, like good and bad and right and wrong and, and love and, and seeking for love and, and feeling love. Are kind of are, They're all... They're not exactly one or the other. They're not. They're not. And even if you take those two personalities, like mm. the Morrigan is not exactly chaste. Do you know what I mean? Like she's, she's, there's plenty of stories of her getting it on with sometimes the dog death. Sure. Um, and like, you know, we, you don't have that, you don't, like you say, you don't have a complete split. Um, which is also interesting. But I think your, your question about like, is this part of the landscape why we like tragedy? I answer that. Um, I don't know <laughs> like I think there's also something about like Irish history has a lot of tragedy in it mm-hmm. this is a country that is a post-colonial country we have a, a very traumatic history uh, that I don't think we've processed as a culture yet Certainly not. at all um, and I think all of those things lead you maybe a little bit more towards the tragic side. I mean, but then again, you like can't you really rule world. that. You, you look, can't really rule on that either because yeah. there's countries that are, are post-colonial countries where they don't like tragedy at all. Every yeah. story in Brazil has a happy ending. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's different cultures that process that differently. Sure. But I think in Ireland... It's a lot sunnier in Brazil though. Well, maybe it is a climate thing. Then. Maybe it's like, I, I'm looking outside now and it's fucking blistery and it was just half snowing or trying to snow, but it was shit snowing too because it was like too wet and windy and it was just fucking Storm Kira just came in and blew the, the gates down all over the gaff and it's just, it's just mental this weekend and we were supposed to be celebrating spring, like kind of, and you can see the buds uh. are, are waking up and there's life in the ground and the daffodils and the cherry blossom trees are beginning to wake up. And you're like, all right, lads, you're waking up. There is life there. It's fucking freezing cold, though. And I have to wear all of my layers. So, I know, but you're also cold. I mean... As not, a person. Not of heart. Not of heart. <laughs> no, no, no. Of, of, of physical body. We both know you are cold and damp. <laughs> Let's not get into the damp thing. <laughs> 
Your superpower is damn powerful. <laughs> sweat a lot when you sleep, right? It's, 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 not, it's not a medical thing. I just can't fall asleep. Quite shut, shut up, all right. Fucking Jesus. Well, I was, I was talking about the weather. The weather is very, it's very cold and blistery, and it's hard to be fucking positive. And because, like, you get over the winter, and all of a sudden it's spring, and then it's winter for two more months. And you're like, ah, fuck, I just thought we did this, you know. And then, and then That's all of a sudden true. it's summer, and then it's fucking winter again because we, we skip autumn. Um, we do not. Autumn is the best. Ah, it's nice, yeah. Autumn is my favorite, and autumn goes on for a long time. It goes on a really long time. It's awesome. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, Ireland has, I think also Ireland has a serious lack of sunlight in the wintertime. Like those, those long nights are long and they definitely maybe lean one towards a more tragical bent. I don't know. I think it's this time of year as well. It's interesting because it's like, it's that prolonged winter. It's the fact that like you've done the hard part, you've you've battened down yeah. the hatches in November, you've celebrated in December, you're kind of all good. The solstice came around and you're all happy. You you, you get you, through you January. You get through January. January is a month for getting through. Everyone puts the head down. Some people fuck off on the holidays if they can afford it. And but then then February comes around. And you're like, okay, it's time for spring. <laughs> ah, fuck, it's not spring. Yeah, at all. if you're foolish. I mean, yeah, but you're, you're yeah, but you're also hoping. like, hang on. February, the start of February is the start of spring in Ireland. Yeah. By tradition and Bridget's law. Yeah. But like, change doesn't mean change for the better. It just means change. Yeah. And that means there's a lot of shit going to happen. So like, if you, if you understand that, life is coming back into the soil, light is coming back into the world. But that doesn't mean weather is over. No, weather is just means weather is going to happen. Weather is always going to happen. It's especially going to happen at the moment. But um, yeah, like it's just yeah, it just it just it feeds into that aspect of the happy ending being kind of like you know if it's always sunny in a country, then the happy ending can kind of you can nearly believe it. Whereas in Irish, you're like ah, but it's only sunny for a few months. The the, the other shoe was going to drop now, (laughs) motherfucker, any minute. Yeah, yeah, any minute. And there's a skepticism about the Irish mentality a little bit. I think we have a strange mix in this country of very strong romanticism and very strong cynicism. Is it cynicism or is it an awareness that tragedy is only around the corner? I think it's maybe both. Because I do think we have a destructive level of cynicism sometimes. Yeah, okay. And I think we can get very, like, whiny and helpless is how I would characterise it, where people are like, no, nothing will ever fucking change. Do you know what I mean? Like, that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. And it's very, like, it's very helpless. And that can be toxic when it goes that far. It can be when it goes that far. But I also think, like, you're not wrong in terms of we're always waiting for the other shoot. I remember being like, I remember being in a wedding and it was the most famously disastrous wedding I've ever been at. Oh, um, so hi Tara. <laughs> oh, Jesus it was it was but it was amazing because half of the guests were Irish and half of the guests were English, right? Sorry, Tara. It's hilarious. <laughs> Listen, their wedding was quite famous and I think they were both quite happy about All the right. fact that it was quite famous Good. because it was like top that fuckers. Uh they planned an exquisite wedding in Croatia and it was on a day where it hadn't rained on that day in twenty years outdoors in the city of Dubrovnik and I'm going to run this by Tara and if she doesn't want to give me this much detail we're going to cut this out by the way because I'm going to run this by Tara Fair um, There was a sunset we, we didn't know the guests who came out didn't know what was planned because huh. we just came for the weekend and they had planned everything and everything was sorted We were staying in a beautiful hotel It was going to be a wedding 
outdoors in the city. And then there was going to be a sunset cruise out to an island where the reception was happening. Gorgeous. Which was going to be absolutely fucking beautiful. But a storm hit. We finished up. The venue they booked was flooded. The backup venue they booked was flooded. The hotel ended up redecorating a conference room for them at the last minute so they could get married. We managed, like, they told us the plan after they were like, listen, all of our food and booze is on an island. Do you want to try and get there? And we were all like, yeah, fuck it. So we were drinking champagne from bottles in a dinghy going out over 10 foot waves out to the island. And then we got to the island and we found out that the captain of the boat was like, I, I'm not going back. Um, there's a ferry at 6am. Good luck. Bye. And we went to the to the reception venue where, again, it had going to, it was going to be outdoors, but they moved us into a room indoors. They fortunately had a room that was just big enough for everyone to get in. But then you saw the Irish. Right. Because <laughs> like I said, <laughs> the reason that I think, the reason that I, that I thought of this and the reason that I brought this up is that like, the, I don't think it's unfair to say that the English guests were annoyed. And the general feeling you got from them was, yeah, a little bit of a huff. The Irish guests were like, Welp, we're here, lads. Might as well fucking enjoy ourselves. <laughs> and decided to just be... Make it fucking class. Like, just be fucking cheerful and happy about mm. it. And it was a pure decision to be like, fuck it. We're here till 6am? Right. Pass the drink. Get up and have a dance. Fucking go for it. Triple espresso over here, boys. Fucking where's the whiskey? Craft beer. Bring it on. Whose song is it this time? Like, just, like, went for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the point where another of the guests, Lucy, on the way back was like, okay, so if there's ever an apocalypse, I want to be around Irish people. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So when it's tragic, we make the most of it. And when it's it's beautiful, we make it fucking tragic. That's that's all I I can understand. I think we're fundamentally contrary. Ah, uh, yeah. And I know this as someone who has been accused of having a, an oppositional personality my whole life. I uh, know, Jesus, I wouldn't say that. And the first time anybody said it to me, I said, no, I don't. What is that in that order? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think Irish people are a little bit oppositional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're a little bit fucking contrary. That's a fucking. When great. it's going well, we're like, oh, hang on now. And when it's going badly, we're like, fucking yeah, told you. All right, my inherent pessimism has paid off. Proven right here, lads. Fucking happy days. And I'm going to make the best of it. And it's just like that's something that we're like, but we weren't going to talk about that. I mean, because you wrote us a list. I, I wrote us. A, we, we, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So that was great. I fucking love that. That was we're contrary. Look, the reason St. fucking Valentine's is popular all over the world is because you know people like like to believe in the myth of love. Irish people are a little bit more skeptical about it, and we have very tragic stories, and we take a little bit of a poetic license with some of those stories. To be fair, this is one that we've taken a, a quite a lot of license with. I mean. I love how I construct stories with you because you yeah. find ingredients, we bounce them around, yeah. I'll see something that maybe you won't have seen mm-hmm. and we pass it back and forward and this is very much something we constructed. This is one that we worked quite a lot. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And like I, the bare like, bones of it, you want to tell them like the, literally the bare bones of... Well, like to, to take you back to the sources, first of all, she's either married to Nuatha or to Elkmar. Cool. Um, There are different sources that say different things on that. Mm-hmm. Uh whichever her husband is is the guardian of the well of knowledge but there's also that's the same as the myth of the Shannon 
who's also married to the guardian of the well of knowledge and also the Shannon is made when she looks in the well and runs yeah. away from it. So maybe, maybe not. Um, there's her meeting the Dagda and having the year and the day. We know from, I think, the Dictionary of Celtic Mythology that she the had cloak. an invisibility cloak. Yeah. Don't know anything more about that. And then, but so it was interesting to get the ingredients of, okay, Elkmar, I didn't know much about him, knew the, of the silver arm. We know then, a lot about him. We know a lot about him. And then the fact that she had a cloak of invisibility. Now, that was like a hop, skip and a jump away from going, okay, how does someone create an invisible cloak or well, how does someone feel I, so I think that was that was something that we started to do where we started to look at both of those things both the silver arm and the cloak mm-hmm. from the point of view of metaphor and allegory yeah like what would this because that's one of the things about older myth cycles is that they often don't talk about feelings everything is externalized yeah so if we said okay what is what is a silver arm maybe an externalization of what is an invisibility cloak maybe an externalization an externalization of. Mm-hmm. And it was from there that we started to go, oh, well, like, you can look at coldness of touch and coldness and chilliness and, like, you know, distance growing. And you can see an invisibility cloak, you know, the way we interpreted it was this thing of, like, hiding and not being seen, but then how you feel when you're not seen, even if it was because you hid in the first place. Yeah, and I really like that aspect of, like, you know, the fact that Bowen suddenly becomes magical enough to, to put a cloak to her feeling. You know, that, that... Yeah, that maybe she manifests this cloak mm-hmm. and and puts it on and then is like, huh, no one can see me. And then yeah. the effect that it has when somebody's like, hey, I see you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like... Powerful and kind of a beautiful thing. It's always a wonderful thing when you feel seen by another person. Absolutely. And it's always a really powerful thing, especially if you've been hiding yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, To have somebody go, oh, I see you. That's huge. So, like, those were the sort of ingredients that we played around with to come to this particular version of the story. Yeah. And I love, like, I know that was, I, rem- I don't remember exactly who came up with which bit of this, sure. except for the bit at the end where she embraces Bruno Boynia, because I know yeah, that yeah. was you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'll be so, I am so. Um, But also, like, in terms of talking about like timelines and stuff like that um this is something that we always deliberately leave loose because yeah. i think it's better that way totally i think myth this the, yeah it's myth and it's dream time and it, it things don't happen in sequence but also like just to mention the fact that in the dream of angus oak boan is a character yeah who comes in and yells at the Mines dagda and, worries, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like yeah. worries about him and like tries to help him um and and you know if we if we followed a timeline that we maybe wouldn't be able to have that sure sure or we wouldn't be able to have both or maybe you would like, maybe you if would. she didn't necessarily go to know the like she could have gone to the well of wisdom at the end of her life she could have um, gone to the, but then you wouldn't have Bruno Boyne would not be surrounded by the river Boyne <laughs> damn it so like stop poking holes okay, no, yeah, 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 no it doesn't but this it. is what I mean it doesn't like it doesn't make sense if you go if you go with yeah, mythology yeah, in a yeah, linear yeah, yeah. fashion and I think there's one coming up actually that is one of the most delightfully non-linear ones ever which is the Celt Karma Guttakar story yeah and it's really looking forward to it. we just had a lot of elections and, and stuff coming up and uh, the left wing is, is rising uh, in Ireland which is interesting and uh, this is going to be a very interesting podcast to put out on that um, yeah, we we <coughs> I had kind of had an idea in my head that we might get it out before the election, but also that didn't happen because <laughs> we we don't leave ourselves enough lead time for these things. But also, like we're all you know, all of us who are living in a democracy, 
this is always a question. Yeah. It's always good to keep a little bit of an eye on it. We're not going to get into politics, though, because we, no. we don't want to. Specifically, um, I don't. There was, there was a question on our uh, Patreon page uh, only six months ago. So no, it wasn't now. on our Patreon page. I've told you the name of this app four times now and you keep being what's, like, what's sorry, what? App? What's the app? <laughs> it's a, an app. Someone asked us a question and uh, I didn't see it because I didn't have yeah. the app. No, I, I also didn't have the app for a long but this time. This is interesting because it ties in with Bridget, who we were talking about, and, uh, you know, do, do, do I read do it? Me read it? <laughs> I mean, I'm just explaining for listening anyway, where it's come from. So where it's come from is it's come from um, the SoundCloud Pulse app, which is the SoundCloud app. We put we put our we put our podcast up on SoundCloud and then it's kind of like linked out from there to other places like Spotify and various other places. Um, but I didn't know for a very long time that there's an app that you can use to track who likes you and who comments on your stuff. So I didn't see this comment for a very long time. I just found out about it. And then when I did see it, I had the same reaction that I always have to social media comments, which is one of two things. Either I go, huh, cool. And like, don't really feel a strong need to respond. Sure. And so don't, which is bad, which is why the like button exists. Um... Or I go, oh, that's interesting. I'd like to engage with this question, but I really don't think that comment sections are a good place for a conversation. So I, I don't okay. in the comments. So that was why I was kind of like, I'd love to address this in a podcast sometimes. So seven months later, apologies for that. Um, Sangrail commented on our SoundCloud episode about Bridget and the Morrigan to ask, where is the story of the Morrigan being Bridget's mother from? Her father is the Dagda, but her mother is only listed as being a poet. So I'm inclined to think that indicates Boan having released the Well of Wisdom and being mother of Angus, also a god of poetry. No, that was one of the questions where I was like, that's really interesting. That's very good. But also... Kind of tune too, she's added to the yeah, end. It yeah, makes yeah. sense. It's a, it's a she's, she's linked it and she's linked it in a different way because she's absolutely right. I, I immediately was like, wait a minute. I know that the Morrigan is the, is the mother of Bridget because, and then I looked it up and I realised, no, I don't have a written down source of that. I know that because another storyteller told me that. Yeah. And I was like, cool. Word, word of mouth, so. Um, but also, I think, like, I didn't really question that any further. But I also think her interpretation is like, as absolutely as correct as yours and mine. Right. Like, 100% Boan could be Bridget's mother. As valid if you want to spin it that way, it works. Like Yeah, yeah. If you want to spin it that way, it totally works. Having thought about it, I still like the Morrigan for Bridget's mum because yeah. Bridget also has the aspect of war goddess. And I think that can get a little bit lost with yeah. Bridget sometimes. Yeah, and but she can be quite steely. There's a very harshness to Bridget and some of the stories kind of like gives her a lot of teeth. And I like she's She's got teeth. Yeah, yeah. And I think Boan isn't quite as toothy as the Morrigan. Which is not to say that she's weak either, but like, and you know, we, we did a big show a couple of weeks ago in the Sugar Club where we very, very definitely made the case that the Morrigan is Bridget's mum sure. and absolutely made that quite declarative. Um, so now that we've done that very publicly, I would like to go back and say that we don't know if that's true at all. Well, we don't have a written source for, we have, uh, you know, I think, I think like these stories are passed down by word of mouth. You're not allowed and to steal that pen, it's a fountain pen. Sorry. I was doing your pen. Yeah. Um, no. I think on that note. Um, <laughs> well, like on that note, um, thank you, uh, Sangrail, for writing in. And I really apologize that it's taken us seven months to get back to you on that one. And uh, yeah, I like your interpretation. And, um, you know, this is 
this is as I've said before, it's it's an oral tradition and it's also a disrupted tradition. Yeah. So we're all working with fragments. Yeah. And I think we're going to put them together in a way that we like. And sometimes we're going to come back and, you know, a year later, two years later, we're going to shatter that and put them together a different way. Because that's one of our favorite things to do when we're working with mythology. But also, you're all working. Like, if you're if you're listening to these stories, I think that's a really good thing to, to know and be aware of. That... Yeah. If you have a different idea about this stuff, you know, ain't nobody can fucking tell you you're wrong. And I mean, really. And I'm not, I mean, we probably can, but there's no ultimate no, truth in no. this. Again, that's a, that's a philosophical debate in itself. What is truth? But yeah, there is no absolute truth. More importantly, guys, I hope you have a, a love-filled month. You know, that's that's what I mean for if you're loving mythology, if you're loving whatever you're doing, if you're loving yourself, that's the most important thing. Uh, this pat, this podcast is brought to you the listener by the patreon support we receive if you'd yep. like to support us it means a fucking low to us it really does it does and you can go to patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales and there's various different rewards on that you can get the pod, the just the story podcasts are going up again mm-hmm. you can if you listen to our five part tone story all of the uh, outtakes and post show chat are up there now uh, I sometimes write a little blog post about books I'm reading on mythology. You do it twice a month, don't you? No, I don't do that twice a month. <laughs> she does it every now and again. Anyway, there's other rewards. Listen, guys, this podcast was edited by Oisin Ryan. Music was done by Oisin Ryan. Thank you, Oisin, the everythingist of Canada Tales. Yes. We will be back very soon with our podcast. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with our live events, if you're in the country of Ireland, check us on all the social media. And uh, check out our website, candidates.ie. Yahoo.